Sometimes you just don't need a reason. You just need to do it because he's worthy of our worship. Amen? Amen. But sometimes it's a, you know, um, we can be in a battle. And I tell you, worship is the first thing you need to do when you're going into battle because you got to get, you got to get, I don't know how to say this, but you got to kind of get not right, but you got to get in line with things. And, and so the focus comes off of your problems and onto the problem solver. Amen. 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 Tonight, this is amazing that uh, Dawn was speaking from that scripture. Not that I'm going to be speaking on it, but there was one word that she said this from that scripture, and it was hope. And that's the word that God gave me this, this evening is hope. Last time he gave me help. This time he's given me hope. So God is uh, keeping me simple on those four-letter words, and uh, we'll stay on those four-letter words, the good four-letter words. You know what I'm saying? Help and hope. We'll leave the other ones behind. Amen? Amen. 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 So let's pray and let's get into the word um, and let's, be, let's get encouraged by the word and by the scripture and by the presence of God and let it fill you with hope. Father, thank you tonight. You are our hope. You're the God of all hope. And so, Lord, we look to you for all things, for grace, for mercy, for love, for forgiveness, for strength, for wisdom, for provisions. You're our, all our substance. Lord, it's even as Jesus says, uh, you know, that um, you, we have bread to eat that you know not of. Lord, you are everything to us, our bread, our health, our strength. And so we look to you, Lord. We open our hearts to you this evening. We bless your name. Lord, as we sung how you loved us, Lord, we say back to you, we love you. Father, we love you, and we need you, and we bless you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Now, you already know I'm speaking on hope, so uh, let's get into it. Uh, in the movie Shawshank Redemption, the character Red, played by Morgan Freeman, says that hope is a dangerous thing. See, you can lose hope. See, without God, you can lose hope. You can look at a situation and you can say it's hopeless. Or you can look at your own life and say, well, I'm hopeless. Or you can look at somebody else and say, ah, they're hopeless. You, so outside of God, hope is really another word for luck or a wish. You know, you can, you can hope for things. You know, you can hope to win the lottery. I hope, you know, you buy that ticket and you're standing in front of the TV and you're squeezing in and maybe you got whatever lucky charm you got, or rubbing something, or, uh, you know, and you're hoping you win the lottery. You know, we don't need to win the lottery because we found the pearl of greatest price. I have everything I need. My needs are all met. And even the needs that aren't met, my hope is in God because knowing that if those needs, those needs need to be met, God will meet them exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or imagine. I don't need a lottery ticket. I don't need to hope in the lottery. My hope is in God. And because of that, all of my life is fulfilled and all of your life is fulfilled. Now, we may have troubles. We may have struggles. We have, may have issues and things like that. We all have them. But, that's, but God still pours out blessings upon our life and gives us a good life. Amen? Amen. So some people wish, hope to win the lottery. I got a guy at work. He says, you know, if I win the lottery, I'm going to give you some money. All right, good, thanks. Knowing, yeah, all right, I'll take some. 
There's two things. One, he ain't going to win. And two, if he does win, he ain't sharing it. And I'm okay with that. He won. I didn't. Go for it. You know, somebody, well, uh, this couple this week won $750 million. Jill will tell me about it, and I was like, I feel so bad for them. And I do. Because they're not prepared for what's on the other side of that $750 million. You know, it's either you've, you've, you've earned something like that, but when you get it like that, you're really not prepared for the disaster that's up ahead with that, with that type of instant winning. So I hope for the best for them, but according to histories of big lotto winners, life doesn't go very well for them after that. You know, sometimes we hope for, you know, the, the world, they hope for a good life. Oh, I just want my life to be good. I just I want it to be easy. I want it to, you know, I, I hope that my life turns out good. Some people hope that the government will take care of them. Good luck with that one. They've been doing a bang-up job so far. Some ladies hope to meet a knight in shining armor. <laughs> now, ladies, I want to talk to you about this. Don't hope for a, a, a man in shining armor. And I'm going to tell you why. First of all, he's riding a high horse. Any guy riding a high horse isn't worth your time. Secondly, look at that armor. It's not even battle-tested. Let me show you the kind of guy you should be praying for and hoping for. That's the guy you need to be hoping for. Because let me tell you something about that guy. He's not riding his high horse. He's on bended knee. He's bowed his head. He's bowed his heart. He's bowed his knee. And he's in the mud. Let me tell you about this guy. All right? He's humble. The other guy was arrogant. So next time somebody says to you, oh, you know, I hope you get your knight in shining armor. Say, no, I'm, I want the guy that's in the dirt and uh, he's bowed his heart, his head and his knee, and that's free from you from Pastor Mike. Some, some people hope for a good mate, and I, and I get you on that. Some people hope that when they die, they'll make it to heaven. See, they're playing the lottery. Well, if I'm good enough, I'll make it into heaven. Let me tell you something. If that's what you're going on, your dog's going to get to heaven before you. Because you're not good enough. I'm not good enough to get into heaven. I'm not making it on my merit. I'm making it on the fact that Jesus Christ died for my sins. He gave his life for me, and I and you accepted it. That's the only way I'm getting to heaven. It's not on anything I or you have done. But some people hope, you know, oh, you know, I hope that when I die, you know, uh, I, you know I, I, I make it to heaven. One, you know, one of the very first words that God ever spoke to me was, that, was this word hope. That's all he said to me. I was in my early 20s. I was working in New York City, and I, I, I can still picture it. I can still see it. I was getting on the elevator at Rockefeller Center, and I was just about to push the button to go up, and all of a sudden, God speaks to me, hope. See, I was living a hopeless life. I mean, I had, I had no hope. Uh, you know, when I looked inside and I looked at who I was and the kind of character I was and things, people that I was hanging out with and the things that I was doing and all that was upon me, I really, when I looked at my life, I really had no hope for it. But when I began to read the Bible and I began to have this relationship with God and it was in its so early stages that God spoke over me that word, hope. 
And you know, before I pushed, pushed the button and I heard that word hope, it enlightened me. Because all of a sudden, I had something to be hopeful for. Not the word hope, but that God had spoken that word over me. And that, was, that God was going to change the course of my life. See, uh, even if I were to, by some miracle in my own strength, get my life together, I still would have had no hope. Because man's hope is only in himself. And hope is like this, is a substitute word for luck. Maybe it'll work out. I hope so. Maybe my marriage will stay together. I hope so. You know, we, 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 the world looks at hope and, and the hope that they put it in is either in things or themselves. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so we put, they put their hopes in things. I hope that, you know, this job works out or I hope I get a promotion or I hope I, you know, uh, get a raise or, you know, all of this hope is in, the, is in situations or things that, are, that is out of their control. But yet they, this is the, the vanity of what it is to have a carnal hope. See, putting our hope in man or things or government is the very definition of futility because all these things fail and leave us empty. You know, the, if, you, if we put our hope in man, even now, like if, I, if you were to put your hope in me, I'm going to fail you because I'm just a man. And I have the same weaknesses that you do. I have the same, I have character flaws, I have multitudes of things and you're like well tell us something we don't know but the but the thing is it's hard to put your hope in man because man will fail you how many times have we done that before we've put our hopes in man and man's failed us we've gone to the ballot box press the button for the person that we want to get there and like and if they win we, we become within within a few months or a year or so we become disappointed in them why because man can't meet your needs you know, they can promise a lot, but they can't fulfill a lot. And that's why it's hard to put our hope in man. It's hard to put our hope in things, too. Think about it, too. You can hope for a job, even a good job, even a great job. But after 20 years, you get replaced. And maybe you get a gold watch. And then what? I spent my years in hard labor or working hard or working diligently only to get to the end and realize there was really no, it was meaningless. Okay, it may have built me, it may have gotten me a home or maybe provided the things in my life, but all of those, all, after all of those things, when it's all over, it's empty. And so to put our hope in things is very futile. And so it's the definition of what I would call futility. It's, it's just, it's meaningless. And so, Again, carnal hope is just that, meaningless. See, putting your hope in God changes the definition and the dynamic of what hope really is. See, in Jeremiah 29, 11, Jesus, um, God says, for I know the plans I have for you. Now, that's pretty good. We can stop right there. See, you have your plans, but God has his plans. See, you can run with your plan, but it'll only take you so far. But God says, I know the plans I have for you. It's personal. God wrote down a plan for your life. And if you follow the plan that God has for your life, your life will be fulfilled. Your life will have purpose and meaning. The best thing to know in any situation, at any point in your life, am I in the will of God? 
Am I doing what God has asked me to do? Am I in the plan that God has planned for me? And here's the awesome thing, too. You could try to wiggle out of it. God has a way of getting you back into it. Do you know what I'm saying? He sends, he sends situations or circumstances that um, make it a little unpleasant. And then we like that warrior, that muddied warrior. Next thing you know, we're bowing the knee. We're getting down, bowing our head, and we're saying, okay, God, what is it that you want me to do? God knows how to work out his plan for your life. So again, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Here's the good news. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. See, a lot of times, well, you know, can we really trust God? Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. You know, uh, uh, is it going to be hard serving the Lord? Yeah, it, it can be hard serving the Lord. Okay, it's harder serving man. It may be hard walking with the Lord, and it is. Sometimes it's painful. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's a bless. It's always a blessing, but sometimes it's hard walking with the Lord. You've got to deny your flesh. You've got to watch your mouth. You can't go where other people can go. You can't do what other people can do. You've got to tame your flesh. You've got to tame your tongue. You've got to watch your attitude. Other people are watching. So when it says here, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, or declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. See, it's beautiful. Hope always comes before your future. Right? How many ladies hope for a good husband? All right, you don't have to. All right, I got one lady. Everybody else was like, well, yeah, but it didn't turn out so good. <laughs> I, you know, uh, my hope was just dashed on the stones of life. Well, men, too. Men have ho hoped for, for a good mate. We have. I got a good mate. We are the exact opposite. She, she, I'm from Brooklyn. She's from Lilywhite, Connecticut. Okay? She'll go to me, what do you think of this? And I'll be like, Ew! No, we argued over a fence this, this <laughs> afternoon. So I want to get this fence. How do you think? What? I don't like it. But, but, but here's the thing. We worked through it. Not that like, oh, no, you know, it's my way or the highway. We worked through it. We actually came up with a really good compromise. And it wasn't, it wasn't, it was just like we were bantering back and forth. But I'll let you know, she is my perfect opposite. We balance each other out. And there's times when I'll say, oh, look at that. It's so cool. And she'll go to the same thing. Ew. <laughs> you know, I'll say, oh, we should go here on vacation. No, ew. Then she'll go, we should go here. Oh, no, definitely not. You know, we, but we balance each other out. How? Because we, I don't rule over her and she doesn't rule over me. What we do is in, in somewhere in the middle, we always meet. I may not agree with her here. She may not agree with me there. But we don't leave it at end there. We keep talking and talking and talking and talking. We're arguing. Talking and talking until it, it, we're like, oh, we both meet in the middle and we're like, yeah, I like that idea. We came up with an idea for a fence and we both like it. Right? But what I'm saying is that wasn't a manipulative or a controlling, right? That was, no, it's the truth. It's, it, we were, it was like, it, it was a while, but we got, you know, we got to the place where we were like, yeah, we can agree. We agreed on it. But 
you know, uh, this is our hope and our future. See, your hope always comes before your future. See, if you hope in the Lord, like it says here, God says, I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Because what you hope for is always something that's in the future. Because if it's not in the future, then there's no hope for it. Imagine trying to hope. How can you hope for something you already have? It even says it in the word. I'm going to get to that in a minute. Even Paul said, how can you hope for something you already have? How's that hope? But when we hope for something, it's always something that's beyond our reach and our control. And so that's the beauty of hope. See, it's when, especially when we put our hope in God, there's a different dynamic than putting our hope in ourselves in things or in other people. And so we're going to, let's continue on with this. See, for the Christian, hope has a greater meaning. In Romans 15, 13, it says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. The God of all hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. See, things don't always go our way, even as a Christian. Right? I think more things don't go our way as Christians than non-Christians. And here's the reason why. See, when, when your hope is in the Lord, even though things may not come or go about according to your plan or the way you desire, when you put your hope in God and the thing doesn't come to pass according to your time schedule, guess what God says he's going to fill you with? Joy, right? Here it is. God fill you with all joy. Where am I? Joy and peace as you trust in him. See, you can walk around miserable. You can walk around grouchy. You can walk around dissatisfied. But according to scripture, the God of all hope fills you with both joy and peace as you trust him. See, hope comes before trust. See, if I'm hoping in God for a situation, I'm trusting God. Hope comes first, then comes trust. I'm hoping God does this, but I'm going to trust his time for this. I'm hoping God does this, but I hope he does it according to his way. I hope there's something. See, what happens is hope comes first, then comes trust. After you begin to trust God, then comes joy and peace. See that? So hope is a powerful thing, especially for the believer. See, hope ends for the non-person when, when, even when, it, when their needs aren't met or the thing doesn't go according to that those things, it ends for them. But when, when we put our hope in God, see, God trans, takes that, that, that hope that you're hoping in him on and he begins to transfer things to you so that you're waiting in expectation for what you're desiring, what you're hoping for. He gives you joy. He gives you peace. He gives you strength. He gives you all you need to endure in that place that you're in a place of hope. So it says here, may the God of all, all hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. Can I get this lowered a little bit? So that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. See, you think hope comes just, well, I just hope. See, hope comes from the power of the Holy Spirit. See, there's carnal hope, but then there's spiritual hope. See, carnal hope hopes for something, you know, let's say earthly things. But spiritual hope 
is that you put what you're desiring in the hands of God and you hope for it in his time. And in the process of hoping for it in his time, he gives you joy, he gives you peace, and he gives you strength, and he gives you hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. See, hope in God transcends earthly meaning of what hope really is. I'm moving myself out of the earthly realm into the limitless possibilities of who God is and what God can do. So really, when I look at the character of God and the power of God and, and, and who God really is, when, when I put my hope in God, it, my, my, the power and all of the abilities that I have now become limitless because God is limitless. God's not bound by time. God's not bound by man. He's not bound by the rules of man or anything. He's bound by nothing but who he is. And what he is is love, grace, mercy, kindness, strength, wisdom, joy, peace. And we can keep going on and on. And so hope in God really, it, it, trans, it transcends um, the limitless hope that man has. I want to give you two reasons why biblical hope transcends earthly hope. Turn, me, turn with me, if you will, um, to Romans 8, 24 through 25. And I got to turn there too, so give me just a second. Okay, here we go. Matthew, I mean, I'm sorry, Romans 8, 24 through 25. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Remember I was telling you about that just a little while ago. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not have yet, we wait for it patiently. Let me read that again to you. For in this hope we, are, we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not, have, do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. And so what, what the scripture is trying to bring to us here, first, first of all, is that the outcome of biblical hope is transformative. See, even it's, it's said here that that hope is basically that hope is, is, is our salvation. What, see, what we go through in this life is temporary, even sickness. See, I want to let you know, know that. Whatever we're going through in life is always temporary, even sickness. Now, we, there can, be, we can get a bad report from, from the doctor, and it could be terminal. But guess what? Even if it ends in death, it's not the end. It's the beginning of eternity. So, so in, 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 that, in, that, in that time frame that we have here, it says whatever we go through in life is always temporary, and that's our hope. See, you may be going through a situation that you, that you feel is overcoming you, but understand it's temporary. As you put your hope in God, God works it out for you. God gives you wisdom. God gives you strength. God gives you joy. God gives you peace. God gives you provision. So when you find yourself in a situation that you look at and say is hopeless, 
Because in and of ourselves, yes, it's hopeless. Even David said, why so downcast, O my soul? Put your hope in God. For I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. See, even, even King David, when he was going through something, it emotionally had an effect on him. It depressed him. It discouraged him. It brought him down. And it made him question his own soul, his own emotions. Why are you downcast? So he began to question, hey, emotions, what's going on? Why are you acting this way? Put your hope in God. And so what David did was he transferred what was going on in his life, hoping for the outcome in his own strength, realized that's what's bringing me down. And so what did he do? He put his hope in God and he says, in the process, I'll yet praise him, my Savior and my God. And so what happened was his, because he put his hope in God, his hope got renewed. And his situation, whether it changed or not, you ever um, go into, into prayer, you got this situation, you begin to pray, and you begin to pray hard, and then you come out of your prayer closet, the situation hasn't changed, but everything's changed. That's hope. I could go in discouraged or oh, fearful or overwhelmed or anxious. I can go into prayer. Next thing I'm coming out, I'm, 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 I have joy, I'm, I have peace, I have, I'm, I have worship. I come out, and everything's changed, but nothing's changed. That's the hope in God. See, you've taken the situation that is absolutely out of your control and that you really can do nothing about, and you've given it to God. And next thing you know, God is what you've given to God, God now gives you himself. And so you walk out full of hope. Every, nothing's changed, but everything's changed. You know, we walk out, zippity-doo-da, zippity-yay. See, so when I say, whatever you're going through in life, understand it's temporary. But it's also good. And why is it good? See, trials perfect us as we live out our life here on earth. Trials perfect us. See, when the... When the Unredeemed go through something, and it's without God. They go through it, and it either makes them better or it makes them bitter. Most of the times, it makes them bitter. In, in the society that we live in today, people do not like not getting their way. We live in a society of instant gratification. If I don't get it my way, and I don't get it now... I'm going to make it happen. And anybody that stands in my way is just an obstacle to, to, to walk over, run over, get out of the way. And you see, so when we go through trials as believers, as redeemed people, see, we go through the trial, and the trial perfects us. Because I had a different perspective of who God was before the trial started. When the trial started, I went through it, and I got a whole new perspective of who God is in the process of that trial. That when I come out of that place, I know God better than, than I did before the trial started. See, and that's a great hope to have. And so trials perfect us as we live out our life here on earth. See, trials also prepare us to live with an eternal mindset. Like I said before, Whatever you're going through is always temporary. But when you're going through it, see, what God, what God does is he, he, he's training you for what it's like to live in eternity. 
You're an eternal, you're an eternal being. And so it prepares us for what it's like to live in eternity. See, we're not spoiled. We're not, we don't pray and, 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 and God give us everything we need or everything we want because he knows what's good for us. He knows what's right for us. He knows what's going to benefit us and what's not going to benefit us. And sometimes we're praying for the thing that's not going to benefit us. And so what happens here, what's happening here is the outcome of biblical hope is transformative. Why is it transformative? Because trials perfect us as we live out life here on earth. What do you mean it perfects us? It makes us more like Jesus. It's like the, it's like the warrior in the mud. See, if, if trials don't get you to bend your knee, nothing will. And so when God sends a trial your way, one of the first things we do is we hit our knees. Right? We bow our head. We bow our heart. And we begin to look upward. We begin to cry out upward. We begin, what happens is, is God begins to transform us into the image of his son. Before Jesus did anything, he related to the Father. He would get up early and he would seek the face of the Father. He would go to quiet places and seek the face of the Father. Why did he do, why did he do that? He was the forerunner of what we're supposed to live our lives like. So that when we're going through trials, when we're going through situations, when we're interceding for others, See, that's a beautiful thing when we're interceding for others, especially for our children. Do you know something? Uh, our young children, uh, they're facing demonic forces that we've never, ever faced before in our lifetime. They're facing more demons in school now than we ever did. My demon was the hooky demon. Their demon is the homosexual demon. Right? or the racist demon, this, all the, this doctrine that's coming across that they want to influence. But here's the thing. They don't know how to fight that demon. You do. <laughs> do you understand what I'm saying? How are you going to expect them to get through it if we don't get on our knees and pray them through it? They don't know spiritual warfare. You do. And so sometimes we, we can say, well, you know, everything's going to right in my life. Well, good for you. How's your son? How's your daughter? How's your grandchildren? How's your niece? And if you don't have any of those, how about the young children that are facing these things? We need to be able to do spiritual warfare in the demonic realm against what's going on in the lives of our children. They don't know how to face the demons, and maybe you don't either, but God will give you the strength to fight the fight that's worth fighting. And so... The thing is, is we've got to be, when we go through the trial, it perfects us. And not only does it perfect us, but it prepares us for eternity ahead. See, we, we, can't, we need to not be so um, earthly-minded, we're no heavenly good, and we've heard that cliche before. But we need to also not be so temporary-minded or so earthly-minded. We need to be, understand, you're an eternal being. We need to be able to think in the realm of eternity, not in the realm of temporary. And so that's why when you look at trials that, that God allows us to come into our lives, they're for a purpose of perfecting us, making us into the image of God. And then it has this other effect, and that effect is preparing us to be eternal-minded, not temporary-minded. And so trials also prepare us to live with an eternal mindset. Not only so... This is Romans 3 through 5. Not only so, 
but we also glory in our suffering because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character. And character, hope. And, the, and hope does not put us to shame because God has been, God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit whom he has given to us. Romans 5, 3 through 5. We have been saved for eternal purposes. That's why biblical hope is so transformative. The second thing I want to share with you is hope is not carnal, but spiritual. I got to get to that scripture again so I can read, um, so I can read 25 again. And it says here, but if we hope for what we do not have yet, we wait patiently for it. For if we hope for what we do not have, we wait patiently for it. See, the earth, the earth, the earthly man or the carnal man, he wants it now. He wants it instantly. He wants it now. He wants it with no trouble. He wants it with no trial. He wants it with no tears. He wants it to come now. See, the carnal man is described like this in Proverbs 11.7. Hopes placed in mortals die with them. Hope, hope placed in mortals die with them. All the promises of their power comes to nothing. The spiritual man is described like this in Psalm 146, verse 5. Blessed are those whose help is in the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord their God. So what's it saying here? See, the carnal man, when he, play, when he places his hope, no matter whether those hopes get fulfilled or not fulfilled, when he dies, all the promises that he, that he wants have gone with him. When the spiritual man dies, his hope is still fulfilled. Think about it. In my father's house, there's a place for me. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. See, Jesus says that, right? Didn't Jesus say, listen, I'm going, and where I'm going, I'm going because I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I prepare a place for you, then I'm going to come back to take you so that you will forever be with me. And that's found in John, I think, chapter 14. But it's a cool thing because he says, you know, my father's house, and my father's home, there's many mansions. Now, I don't know if it's a spiritual mansion or a physical mansion. I mean, Jesus has been up there 2,000 years. He's been pretty busy. Okay, maybe it is, you know, and he was a carpenter. I just don't know if he was in a union or not, but, you know, the carpet is union. But he's gone on to prepare a place for us. See, the hope of the, of, of the unredeemed dies with them, but the hope of the redeemed lives on. And it lives on because we get to see the fulfillment of our hope when we, when we leave this life and we, and we enter into the next. And who's the first person we see? Jesus. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into thy father's rest. There's a place for you. There, you know, so, so our hope doesn't die because we die. It lives on. And it lives on in eternity. So the carnal man's hope dies with him, but the spiritual man's hope is fulfilled and goes beyond and transcends when, when he passes on from this life into the next. That's the spiritual man. See, why hope for temporarily earthly things? Why hope? for temporary earthly things. Think about it. 
you know, oh, uh, you know, I, I, I really need this thing. And then uh, so I'm going to do whatever I can. Maybe I'll pull out the credit card. Maybe I'll work extra hours. Maybe I'll do this. Maybe I'll do that. Uh, you know, and we try to fulfill the, the hope of what we uh, what we think we need. And so we, we live in an earthly realm. And sometimes we follow the earthly rules to get the earthly things that we want. You don't have it, borrow it. You don't have it, covet it. You don't have it, steal it. Right? Isn't that what's going on now in, in, in stores all, acro all, all across America? But here's the thing. The question really comes down to, why hope for temporarily earthly things? See, they may satisfy you, but only for a moment. They may, they may satisfy you for a, a, a moment, or you may, you may have put yourself in a, in a uh, compromising situation to get it, and then you're paying the cost for the thing that you, that you wanted, that you hope you can get. And so the word here, why hope for temporary earthly things? Even Jesus talked about this in, in Matthew chapter 6, 19 through 21. He says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where... Thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What's Jesus saying here? Well, look, if you, if you put your heart on earthly things, those earthly things are going to satisfy you for only a short moment, and then you need something else to satisfy you. And so you get into this cycle of things. And so you find yourself living in an unfulfilled life or a life of things, and then in the end, you're just not satisfied, and all you got is a lot of things. And then you got to throw away all those things. But Jesus is saying, listen, if you store up for yourself things in heaven where nothing can rot, no one can take and no one can steal. And he says, where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. See, you've got to want, you've got to question yourself and ask yourself, where's my heart? Is it on earthly things that are temporary, that may satisfy for just a moment, but then again, you know, it, it, do, it doesn't leave me fulfilled? Or is your heart, again, remember when I said, think about eternally minded. See, when we're eternally minded, now I'm thinking about treasures in heaven. Well, how do I get treasures in heaven? That's a good question. And it comes down to what he said in Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in the future. See, if you're following the plan of God for your life, you're storing up treasures in heaven. When you're serving other people, you're storing up treasures in heaven. When you're, when you're a, a, a giver, whether it's finances or times or talent, you're storing up treasures in heaven. When you're out there ministering to the hurting, you're storing up treasures in heaven. What did Jesus say? If you give a person a cup of water in my name, you've done it unto me. See, when you do things for other people and not expecting anything in return and not doing it with a bad attitude, but with an attitude of, of doing this unto the Lord, you're storing up for yourself treasures in heaven. What did Jesus say to the, to, the, to, the, to the goats? He said, when I was hungry and, and in prison and sick, you didn't, you didn't come and visit me. And he said, and they said, Lord, when did we see you like this? He says, if you've, done it unto, if you've done it unto these, you've done it unto me. 
And then Jesus says to those, blessed are you, for when I was sick, you came and visited me. When I was, uh, you know, uh, in, in prison, you came and ministered to me. What does it mean? Those are the ways we store up treasures in heaven. When we do for others that can't do for themselves. When we avail ourselves to the hurting, that's storing up treasures. When you make time for those that, like, well, really need time. And maybe take your time. See, if you're, eterni if you're eternity minded, you're realizing that, you know, if I'm doing it for the Lord, sometimes like, oh, I just don't have the time. And I can understand that. Sometimes we don't have the time. But here's the thing. God can multiply time if you give it to him. His clock is eternity. God can multiply time. So if you say, well, I don't have the time, but this person is in need, so I'm going to give my time to the Lord, guess what God does? He multiplies your time. You ever have so much to do, but all of a sudden you stop yourself, and instead of doing the things that you need to do, all of a sudden you begin to do some, maybe some worship or prayer, or you just get into the word before you do. And all of a sudden, you go to do the things you want to do, and you find yourself doing them faster than if you would have skipped those things before. What's that? God multiplied your time. Because you've given him what's precious. What's precious? Time. How much time do we have? I don't have much time left. I definitely don't have much time left. But what I'm saying to you is if whatever you give to the Lord, God multiplies it. That's the way you store up treasures in heaven. See, if we, want, if we only live for ourselves and for the moment, it's an unsatisfying life. But if we avail ourselves to the lost, to the hurting, to those in trouble, to those sick, to the elderly, if we give our time in service to others, we're storing up treasures in heaven. Amen? Amen. So that's why the Lord says to you, why store up for, you? why store up for yourself treasures here on earth? Because all they do is rot or, or you know, thieves are going to take it and steal it. What's the point? See, hope is the treasure we now possess as we wait for that which God has prepared for us in eternity. That's hope. I'm going to say it again because that's a good place to close. Hope, and if you got a pen and paper, write this in. Hope is the treasure we now possess as we wait for that which God has promised, has prepared for us in eternity. That's biblical sound hope. Amen? Amen. Let's bow our head real quick. Father, thank you for the word. I pray you multiply it to our lives. I pray, Lord, that the seed that has been planted now as the word has gone out, Lord, let it produce fruit, fruit that will remain, fruit that glorifies the name of Jesus, fruit that reflects the, the goodness of God, fruit that is a witness to the lost, the hurting, those downtrodden. Lord, may we learn what it is to not store up so much here on earth that we become so uh, beholden to them and weighed down by them, but that we begin to store up treasures in heaven and begin to have our minds transformed from the temporary to the eternal. I ask in Jesus' name, amen.